Hello, I'm Bob Prosen, and welcome to the Leadership Accelerator podcast. Whether you're a seasoned executive looking to fine tune your leadership prowess or an up and coming talent eager to make your mark, this podcast will ignite your inner leader and propel you toward unparalleled success. So if you're ready to take your leadership skills to the next level, then buckle up because you're in for a thrilling ride. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Leadership Accelerator podcast. On today's podcast, we'll discuss one of the more challenging aspects of leadership, dealing with managing poor performance. Now, let's face it, it's difficult. It's certainly not fun. It's controversial, time-consuming, often leads to a performance improvement plan with lots of details, documentation, HR concerns, and potential legal issues. But despite all of that, it's essential, critical, that leaders deal with poor performance. You know, it's somewhat easier if you follow a sound people management strategy every year. It begins with establishing clear, quantifiable goals for each of your direct reports at the start of the year. And make sure this happens every year. Don't miss it. And then provide ongoing and honest feedback along the way with two formal reviews throughout the year, and I like mid-year and end of year, where you sit down and actually compare performance to results and talk about where there are strengths and where there are weaknesses. Be sure to call out any underperformance as soon as it's recognized and address it directly. And of course, make sure you keep some notes. We've got to document these things. If you've done it well, no employee should ever be surprised with their performance evaluation, both good and not so good. The most successful leaders always surround themselves with people smarter or better than themselves because the benefits are enormous. In fact, you're guaranteed to accomplish more, better, faster results if you do that. Your goal is to have a team around you that just gets things done without your day-to-day -day involvement, giving you more time to think, plan, and move your organization ahead. But when you have low performers on the team, all of these benefits diminish. It's fair to say most leaders don't enjoy handling performance problems. I know I didn't. I mean, do you wake up in the morning and say to yourself, I can't wait to get to the office today? So I can meet with Bob again and tell him he's not performing well? I never woke up that way, and I certainly don't know any leader that wakes up that way. Here are your four choices as a leader for handling performance problems. The first one is develop the employee. But the only way you should do that and the only time you should do that is if the person has both the passion and capability to do the job. Remember, passion and capability. And if they do, Develop them, but set a time frame for improvement to make sure that the development is coming along as planned. Your second option is to change someone's position to better utilize their strengths. And that can happen in business. Sometimes people are put in the wrong position. We want them to utilize their strengths. Now, if you change their position internally, I'm not a big fan of demotion unless the person asks for it. Because if you demote somebody, it generally is a demoralizing factor that can impact the rest of the organization. Your third choice is to leave things alone and do nothing. However, when leaders do that, 
realize you're viewed poorly by the other members of the team. Because when you ignore performance problems, it's not fair. The other members of the team ask, why does Bob let this person get away with things and hold us more accountable? It's just not fair. Now, the fourth thing you can do is enter into a formal performance improvement plan. And that happens at times. But this time, you got to make sure you set dates and times for improvement. In other words, you shouldn't be on a formal performance improvement plan for a year. It should only be a few months at most. And make sure that the employee is meeting those milestones. If they are, great. They've improved their performance. That's what we want. If they don't meet those milestones, it's time to exit the employee. Let me ask you this. After making a difficult personnel decision, have you ever told yourself you waited too long to take action? I know I have. It's a very common occurrence, and I see it with many leaders. The question is, why do leaders wait? Why don't we take action sooner? And I believe it's because we don't think we've been fair. I haven't given the person all the mentoring, the development. They have a family. There's all these reasons why we wait. But waiting doesn't solve the problem. So you've got to learn how to deal with performance problems in a fair way. And I'm going to teach you exactly how to be fair so that you can take action. And I'm going to give you an actual example to demonstrate the exact steps to take. Here's the cool part. What I'm about to share with you works about 80% of the time, and that's very high odds when you're dealing with performance problems. But first, I want to make an important distinction between two words, the difference between empathy and sympathy. Let me start off with sympathy. Sympathy is for family. When family members have health, financial, marital issues, we feel those. We're part of it. The weight's on our shoulder, too, and it should be. That's what families are for. But that's not the office. At the office, it's empathy. And this is what empathy looks like in the office. I'll help the employee do anything to solve the problem. I'll work with them. I'll do whatever I can to help them solve the problem. But at some point, the employee has to get back in the game. That's empathetic. They've got to get back in the game. Here's how to be fair. And I'm going to teach you this so that you can take action when performance is poor, and you can do so with a clear conscience. That's what FAIR allows you to do. Years ago, I received a call from a CEO who wanted help to improve sales in their organization. We met for lunch. His name was Leon, and I said to Leon, what's going on? And he told me, he said he had this guy named Mark. Mark runs sales, and he hasn't hit quota in a year. Well, and now that I knew the problem, I asked him all the questions you would ask of Leon. Who is Mark? How long has he been here? What's he working on? Has he been successful in the past? All of those questions. At the end of lunch, we were walking toward the car, and I said, Leon, how close is your office? He said, it's about a 15-minute drive from here. So I said, do you mind if I follow you? He said, you would? I said, sure. This guy, Mark, that you're describing to me, I'd really like to meet him. He said, yes, absolutely. So I'll follow you, but what I'd like is that you set me up in an office with a whiteboard or a conference room and just Mark and myself. You don't need to be in there, I'll keep you updated. He said, done, let's do it. So a few minutes later, we arrive at the office and I'm sitting in the conference room and in comes Mark. And what's Mark thinking? 
Well, it's some version of this is not a good day. And I explained to him, I'm here to determine if he's made quota in the last year. So I asked him, have you? Because let's face it, I just met Leon and I don't really know if there are quotas or if they're clear between Leon and Mark. So he said, no, I haven't. And I said, okay, I'm gonna stay seated here. Go get your laptop and make the presentation. Pretend I'm a prospect. So he gets his laptop and he's going to town. After about 10 minutes, I said, okay, I've got enough. I understand. He goes, well, I'm not done. I said, I know, but I'm done. I understand exactly what you're talking about. I've got one other thing for us to do, and then we'll call it quits. And he said, what's that? I said, I'm going to go get a Coke. It's going to take me about 30 minutes. You're going to do this in one day. This is important now. You're going to meet with Mark tomorrow, 24 hours later, because he needs time to think. So if you have a poor performer and you're going to use this technique, which I strongly suggest you do, make sure you give them a day. I said, while I'm gone, I'd like you to write down on this whiteboard a maximum of three reasons why you're not making quota. Can you do that? And he said, absolutely, I can do that. 30 minutes later, I come back and sure enough, there are three things on the board. The next day, you'll be meeting with the employee and you'll see what they've written down. Could be an email, could be on laptop, could be a piece of paper. Once I saw the three things, I wrote them down, make sure I understood what they were, and I went in to go see Leon. Leon said to me, Bob, how's it going in there? I said, it's going really well. He goes, what's well mean? I said, well means you accomplish these three things. You fix these three things on this piece of paper, and Mark is going to be back on quota, and the world is round. He looked at me, and he said, Bob, come on. I've been working on this for a year. I said, don't judge. Let's just look at what's on the paper. The first thing on the paper he said, I had no idea that was a problem. I said, well, now you do. We'll deal with why you didn't know later, but you know now, when can you solve it? He said, well, I can solve it in three days. I said, three days is great. The next item, 60 days. And the third item, around 30 days. I said, I'll be right back. I go back into the conference room and Mark said, how did it go? And I said, this is your lucky day. Watch this. I got on the whiteboard and I said, the first one is solved in three days, the second one in 60 days, and the third one in 30 days. I said, that's it. We're done. And I left. I went by Leon's office. I leaned in and I said, thank you very much for allowing me to work with Mark. I'm going to head on out. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened? And I said, he'll quit. Two weeks later, Mark resigned. True story. I'm not going to risk my reputation by saying something that bold if I wasn't sure. The question is, how did I know he would resign? Well, the one thing I didn't tell you when I was having lunch with Leon, my only goal for meeting with Mark was to determine if he was capable. You see, before you make a tough personnel decision, you have to flip a switch in your head. And that switch that we flip is capable, not capable. We have to do that. Well, I didn't know if I should flip the switch or not because I have to determine if he's capable. And the way I determined if he was capable is I had him make the presentation to me. And after listening to his presentation for about 10 minutes, I decided there's no possible way this guy can sell or lead a sales organization. No way. You see, you already know if the person is capable or not, but you still want to see those three things, maximum of three things they write down that are standing in their way. Here's the moral of the story. If the person is not capable, 
The three things that you will see are excuses. And your job is to eliminate or minimize those hurdles, those excuses. If the person is capable, there'll be obstacles, real obstacles that are internal, most likely to the company, and you need to solve them or you'll lose a good person because they just can't win given the setup and the structure of the business. So in order for you to take action, you have to be fair. I just taught you how to be fair. Tell me the three things that stand in your way. I'll work hard to reduce those barriers or remove them. And once that's done, if you still don't perform, I have been fair. And it's time to take action with a clear conscience. It's that straightforward. If you use this for performance problems, you will be amazed on how well it works. Most of the time, not all the time, people realize what's happened and they leave on their own, which is a much easier way to exit from a company. I don't want you to ever confuse poor performance with internal obstacles or lack of internal support because sometimes people are capable, but we're standing in their way, our, their business. I hope you like this technique. It really works well, basically with any level in the company. I'm often asked, where should you spend your time on A, B, or C players? And I suggest you spend most of your time on B players because they have the chance to becoming an A. A C player that's not meeting expectations, we hope they become a B, but they're the ones that we're dealing with these performance problems with. And sometimes they can't, and it's time for them to exit and don't spend a lot of time there. They can never be an A. Unless they're a brand new employee, then they're a C. But once they get to a place where they've been there long enough, they have a fair evaluation. Now, once again, I can't overemphasize the importance of having clear, measurable goals and objectives for every employee because it drives alignment and focuses you on the things that matter most and focuses the entire team on that. It allows you to measure performance. And without clear metrics, Performance evaluations become subjective. That encourages people to believe you're not fair, which is the opposite of what we want to always be viewed as. Evaluations shouldn't be based on who the leaders like. It should be based strictly on a meritocracy, where those who perform the best get the most. Could be compensation or other rewards. There's intrinsic and extrinsic rewards. The ones that perform the best get enhanced development opportunities, ways to increase their responsibility and build bench strength. Maybe they're promotable. Before we wrap up, I want to leave you with one important action. Take a moment and think about what would your life be like if magically, when you went into the office tomorrow, everyone who reports directly to you is highly accountable meaning they get things done on their own with high quality, on time, on budget, and with less people issues. They're certainly not poor performers. Does your life get better if everybody's highly accountable? Mine always did. That's why you've got to deal with performance. That's it for now. Stay tuned for my upcoming podcast on how to create an accountability-based culture that drives performance and rewards top performers. 
You definitely won't want to miss this one. Keep leading boldly. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Leadership Accelerator Podcast. We hope you found today's insights and conversations inspiring. Now it's time for action. So be bold, implement what you've learned, and accelerate your path to success. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe, rate us, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback fuels our mission to bring you valuable content that empowers leaders just like you. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep accelerating. This is Bob Prosen.